Support for this podcast and the following message come from the University of Alabama. Through Bama by Distance, you can earn a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree with online coursework and affordable tuition. Learn more or apply today at bamabydistance.ua.edu. There are a bunch of new shows to pay attention to this season, and today we're talking about two of our favorite talk entries, Patriot Act and Busy Tonight. On Patriot Act, Hassan Minaj leverages the sharp humor we know from his stand-up specials to make some powerful and serious arguments. And on Busy Tonight, actress Busy Phillips brings a jolt of off-the-cuff charm to the late-night talk show. I'm Stephen Thompson. And I'm Linda Holmes. Today we're looking at two half-hour shows that offer refreshing takes on the talk show format. Here with me and Stephen is Glenn Weldon of the NPR Arts Desk. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Linda. And in our fourth chair is NPR's TV critic, Eric Deggins, who is usually coming to us from the state of Florida, but today is coming to us from right here in our studio. And please don't send any emails. I voted before I left. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, because we, we are taping this uh, on Election Day, so mm-hmm. you are hearing it after Election Day. I hope everyone's well. Um, I mean, the first thing I want to say about these two shows, when we decided to do these two shows together, it's because they both premiered essentially in the same weekend. Busy Tonight is on E! It is a, you know, several times a week, more like a daily program, where as Hasa Minaj's Patriot Act is on Netflix, where they are contrary to the usual Netflix mm-hmm. model. It's something that comes out once a week on Netflix. But when we decided to consider them together as different from each other as I expected them to be, <laughs> I think they are even more different than that. Eric, back me up. Not the same show. Am I right? <laughs> So not the same show. Well, what's interesting to me about this moment is that there's a lot of different people who seem to be trying to deconstruct the talk show. They know that the traditional desk, band, guest monologue thing feels very old hat. And so people are trying to find different ways to pull out pieces of that formula and see if they can build shows around them. So Michelle Wolf did it, and it didn't last long. And now I feel like with these two shows, we've gotten sort of Hassan distilling the whole daily show, I'm going to tell you stuff with a bunch of jokes model. And then Busy is distilling the whole hang out with celebrities and talk mm-hmm. about cool pop culture stuff thing. And I, th- I feel like each show is lacking a little bit because they are pieces of a formula rather than something that completely reinvents the formula. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like Patriot Act is a descendant of Last Week Tonight and before that, obviously, The Daily Show, you know, modified as those formats have been modified, whereas the most obvious precursor to me for Busy Tonight is Watch What Happens Live on Bravo. Glenn, what do you think? Well, I think these shows both rest and are fueled by the innate charm and charisma of their hosts. Mm -hmm. They just come at it from very different kinds of energy. Hasan Minaj is a, what I would call, a very traditional masculine energy. There's a swagger to him. And Busy Tonight is uh, so nurturing and supportive and enthusiastic and sincere. She ends every episode by saying, I love you. She does. Man, I am a fan of Busy Phillips, Mm -hmm. okay, from Freaks and Geeks. I didn't watch Dawson's Creek, but I think she was the best thing on Cougar Town, on which she rocked a side pony, which can only be called iconic. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> and man, she is funny. Man, she is a delight. Man, she is sweet. Man, I'm not going to watch this show yeah. anymore. Um, it's it's just not for me. 
it's guacamole without any lime juice. It's salt and fat with no acid or heat. And I think the bones of this show actually has something to help that. She has a writer on the show, Shantira Jackson, whose job in the first week, at least, was to tell Busy when she was being less relatable, when she was indulging in what she called white lady nonsense. Mm -hmm. So the bones of that are, are there. Uh, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's fascinating that both of these shows rest on charm and they just manifest in very different ways. Uh, I, I like both of these shows. I think Hassan Minhaj, I loved his Homecoming King special on Netflix. This brings out some of that same energy with the imagery popping up behind him. Uh, he refers to his own act as woke TED Talks. That is exactly what they are. If you are looking for a woke TED Talk, this possesses a lot of that same energy, though it is directed more toward kind of speeches about the issues of the day. So on this comedy talk show, you have an episode about affirmative action. You have an episode about Amazon. There are three as we tape this. And one about the Saudi royal family, which is, you know, classic comedy fodder. Yeah. Um, to me, it feels closest to last week with John Oliver, where you're sitting and watching someone essentially give almost a political lecture with jokes intertwined throughout. If you're here for that, this is a very well done version of that. I was actually a little more interested in Busy Tonight, which is attempting a more familiar talk show vibe in unfamiliar ways. And I think, Glenn, the first couple of episodes of this show, I had the same reaction you did in that I just felt like it wasn't quite working. It didn't necessarily have like a strong comedic point of view. Right. In the third episode of this show, it really, really helps that the guest on the third episode of this show is Kristen Bell, yeah. who is a Hall of Fame talk show guest. But in the early portion of this show, Busy, Busy Phillips is looking at the camera, but she's convening this panel of writers in the front row. of. She keeps her writers on a couch mm -hmm. in the front row. They include Shantira Jackson, who you mentioned, Glenn. Jenny Yang is one of them. These are very, very funny people. And in this episode, Busy Phillips is talking to them, and the subject is menstrual cups. And each one has a position, and you get a sense of this show coming together in potentially like what it can be be, which is this kind of funny freewheeling back and forth. I think she's a little bit better when she's bouncing off someone mm -hmm. than when she's monologuing. Mm -hmm. And then when Kristen Bell comes out, they continue this conversation. Kristen Bell has a goofy kind of talk show style story, but it's about menstrual cups. And at that point, I felt like I get where this show is ultimately going. Talk shows like this start legendarily slowly in terms mm -hmm. of figuring out what they are. Conan O'Brien was incredibly wobbly for the first mm -hmm. year or two. I mean, there, there are tons and tons of stories. If you go back and watch the beginnings of Jimmy Fallon, like he had not yet become what he was going to become. So my hope with this show is that E gives it a bunch of time. Yeah, I'm, I think the more it is supposed to be a chill hang, the mm -hmm. longer it can take to come together. And I think Busy Tonight is supposed to be a chill hang. I want to go back to what Eric was saying about feeling like both shows were a little bit lacking. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? With Patriot Act, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe, you know, the, today's my birthday. So uh, I feel a year older. Subtle, subtle. Uh, but, uh, thirsty, thirsty, thirsty. But uh, I have a problem with a show that is constantly spoon feeding me information and then sugarcoating it with jokes all the way through. And as much as I like Hassan Minaj and uh, as much as I love some moments in Patriot Act, part of me is feeling like, you know, are, have we reached the point? where we can't have a serious discussion about how Amazon dominates 
you know, America unless it's filled with jokes about pop culture. And that's the one thing that kind of troubles me a little bit about the explosion of shows like what Hassan is doing. And I'm busy tonight. I couldn't decide if I was not clicking with the show because it wasn't for me or if it was because the show's not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. And one thing that's troubling me is this rise of the people of color who are essentially sidekicks on these shows but aren't really sidekicks. I mean, I love Amber Ruffin on Seth Meyers' show. I love that they finally figured out how to work in the band leader on Colbert's show so that they play off of each other. But I feel like every new show that comes along now has a person of color who's sort of a sidekick. Michelle Wolf had it, too, with a DJ. And at some point, I think especially with Busy Tonight, maybe they should just promote those people of color to be co-hosts and actually have the show be about how they sit around and talk because that's the best part of the show so far for me. I think that's right. And I think if I were remaking this show... I would probably have made it more like The View or The Talk, where you had a couch and they were all there. I agree with you that I would like it, I think, even more if it were all of those women, because I think they're all great. I share Eric's discomfort. I think less with the Amber Ruffin stuff, because that's an expansion of sort of an existing format. I think she really was kind of promoted as an on-air person. I think as long as you understand that getting Amber Ruffin camera time on Seth Meyers is not the equivalent of getting Amber Ruff in her own show, right? And so it doesn't really close the gap that we have, you know, in terms of representation. And the interesting thing to me is I do think there's value to the Chill Hang show. And I am happy that if you're going to have a Chill Hang, it has this extremely feminine energy, which is kind of what Stephen was talking about with the the menstrual cups and everything. (laughs) But I understand what Eric's saying, too, that those women on that couch, although it's great that they're involved, I understand the feeling that they're they have a certain kind of... They're clearly subordinate. What's interesting to me, like if you watch Graham Norton, Graham Norton, to me, the, the British talk show host, is an ace at getting the most out of his guests that's possible. The three guests are together on a couch and he faces them. He's clearly done his research. He always finds stories that I've never heard them tell elsewhere and that he pulls out of them. And they're really good at bouncing off of each other. And I was watching Busy Tonight thinking, man, that's the energy that this show needs. She brings Julia Roberts on in one episode and they talk about the fake boomerang meme that she's kind of created on Instagram. A, okay, I'm old. I didn't quite know what they were talking about. (laughs) And she didn't quite explain it well enough for somebody who didn't know the name. But she also was so busy telling Julia Roberts how great she was that she didn't really pull anything interesting or new out of her. That's what this show needs is the ability to make the guests shine and pull stuff out of them that you wouldn't see anywhere else without the guest having to provide that the way that Mm -hmm. Kristen Bell did. Right, no, that's fair. You get a sense, especially on the first couple episodes of that show, she's very nervous. And so she does the thing that nervous people often do in situations like that, where she keeps kind of talking over the person. Mm -hmm. She's, I think, already over the course of four or five episodes, starting to learn to pull back. I agree completely that the direction to develop that show, the stuff that has worked on that show, involves pulling those women onto that main couch with her and make it a little bit more of a discussion show that has more banter. I mean, you talk about a chill hang. That's a chill hang. Right. right. I think it would be more of a chill hang if she had 
multiple people as opposed to that sort of front row couch. And I I mean, I would not be surprised to see them go more in that direction. And it might be my own bias because I don't know if you know this, but I like a roundtable yeah. chat. <laughs> well, I like I mean, a roundtable chat. Yeah, I mean, for both these shows, we're trying to assess what college a toddler will get into, right? I mean, there, there's a <laughs> right. long way to go. No, I know. There's a long way to go on these shows. But Why, I, Harvard, of course. Of course. <laughs> I think the thing I like about Busy Tonight is that there is a loose, shaggy, uh, very candid feel to her. It's kind of a Wendy Williams feel. If you can imagine Wendy Williams surfed and <laughs> played some beach volleyball, that's kind of w- where... I cannot. It's kind of, yeah, I know. Imagine. Go with me here. I think both these shows share something else, which is also not quite working for me, which is I don't think they have a real relationship with their studio audiences. Mm-hmm. I think they're just kind of there because talk shows have studio audiences. And Wendy Williams loves her audience. The audience loves her. There is a two-way reaction Mm -hmm. there. Right now, she is talking to her writers, not to the audience. The audience is kind of there. Similarly, I think Hassan Minhaj, as good as he is, when he can interact with the audience in any way, when he acknowledges somebody's cackle was funny, that reminds you why he's doing it in front of an audience, because the show does not need to be in Mm -hmm. front of an audience. I do think, though, we compared it to John Oliver. Like He's kind of John Oliver on Red Bull, right? He's (laughs) he's much more animated. And I also think the writing on uh, Patriot Act isn't quite to the level of last week tonight. I mean, because they both do the same shtick, which is talk, 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 uh, news, 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 and then joke, which is, as, as Eric would point out, like, just imagine, that would be like some kind of analogy. And invariably, the ones on Patriot Act, perhaps because it's a smaller writer's room, I don't know why, or perhaps because it's a younger show, just don't quite land as hard. And when they don't land in front of an audience, you notice it even more. So I, yeah. I think they both need to get better at involving the audience or at least bringing them in somehow. Now, one thing we should mention with Patriot Act that's unique is that it's a show that's hosted by a South Asian man. Mm-hmm. And so when he talked about affirmative action and talked about the way that affirmative action was being attacked through Asian plaintiffs in a suit, and when he talked about Saudi Arabia from the perspective of somebody who's Muslim and South Asian, um, at least we got a perspective that we don't often hear on these mm-hmm. kinds of shows. And I, I hope to see him doing that even more. I mean, that's the one way he's going to set himself apart from John Oliver is to talk about being a man of color, talking about being Muslim, talking about being a certain kind of person of color who's different than the black-white dynamic we always talk about in America. That can really distinguish the show. Right. And, and in fact, in all three of the episodes we've seen so far, he forefronts his own ambivalence, ambiguity. Like for affirmative action, he kind of places himself in that mix. Saudi Arabia as a Muslim, where the two of the most holy sites in the world are in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, he's very upfront about how much he loves uh, Amazon Prime. What that's doing is different from what John Oliver tends to do, which is to educate and then decry, launch mm-hmm. into a rancorous screed, and then give the audience something to do, right? There's catharsis at the he's end. He's got a call to action. He's yeah. always got a call Very to action. Very often, yeah. What, what Minaj is doing so far is educate and then sort of interrogate and doesn't give you that kind of red meat ending, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting because, again, he's steering into the nuance more than I think Oliver's Well, doing. I think he is more reliant on his point of view to distinguish his show. I don't think the specificity of John Oliver's life experience is supposed to drive mm-hmm. last week tonight. And it, it's interesting because Stephen and I, I know, have talked a lot about how much we loved Homecoming King, his mm-hmm. his Netflix special, which I still think is one of the best ones they've ever done. Yep. And it's interesting to see a kind of talk show format thing that reminds me so much of somebody's stand up. But I do think that some of the charm of his kind of easy approach to the audience and his ability to tell stories about himself 
And especially like what Eric was talking about, that he brings life experience that's not necessarily available from other hosts is is very valuable to me. Yeah, I almost don't think of Patriot Act as a talk show. Exactly. I don't know that I would, except that it seems so much like it's taking elements of other talk shows, news shows, quote unquote, like The Daily Show. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it's the stand-up special versus the chill hang Mm -hmm. are probably Mm -hmm. the biggest, um, among many, fundamental differences between the two shows that we're talking about. Yeah, I think Busy Tonight is an actual time slot reliant show. Mm -hmm. I think if you don't watch Busy Tonight on live television when it's on, you should at least DVR it and watch it at the end of your day. I think Mm -hmm. it has that kind of like settling in. She literally puts on a nightgown at the end of the episode some of the time. There is a real kind of good night, I'll see you tomorrow, that obviously on Netflix, that is not part of the model. And I think like you were saying earlier, Stephen, any show like this, whether it's Busy Show or or his show, it takes a little time to get their feet under them. So, all right. Well, I will be curious to hear what some of you think if you've had a chance to catch Patriot Act or Busy Tonight. Very different shows that we've brought together <laughs> in one. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH or tweet us at PCHH. When we come back, it's going to be time for our favorite segment of this week and every week. What is making us happy this week? So So come right back. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Traditional Medicinals. Traditional Medicinals is the herbal tea company that lives up to its name. Traditional because of the formulas based on herbal traditions that have supported health and wellness for centuries. And medicinal because of the ethically sourced, high-quality herbs, like their calming chamomile with lavender tea, perfect for any time of day. Use promo code NPR for 20% off at checkout. Powered by Traditional Medicinals. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Hulu. With the largest streaming library full of your favorite reality TV shows, Hulu is the home for reality TV's biggest fans. Catch all the drama, all the tears, all the heartbreak, all the competition. Because Hulu has your reality TV. Start your free trial today. Learn more at Hulu.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor Pocket Casts. Are you a power podcast listener? Then try Pocket Casts Plus, made for podcast fans who want even more from their podcasting app. Pocket Casts Plus has more ways to listen, access to cloud storage, and more customization options. And they're offering a free three-month trial to elevate your listening experience. Find out more at pocketcasts.com NPR. Welcome back to Pop Culture Happy Hour. It's time for our favorite segment, What is Making Us Happy This Week? Stephen C. Charles Thompson, non-talk show host. What is making you happy this week? (laughs) When I was a whelp, I used to play a lot of text-based adventure games. Your your Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Your Zork. Zork. There is a new, in 2018, a new text-based choose-your-own-adventure game uh, by a guy... Nerd alert. Nerd alert. (laughs) by, By Chris Ligman called You Are Jeff Bezos. Oh, my God. The plot of the game is you wake up in the form of Jeff Bezos. You cannot convince anyone around you that you are not Jeff Bezos. So your job in the course of this text-based adventure game is to spend all of Jeff Bezos's money out of spite. <laughs> and, I love this. And I don't think I could. So, so it lays out all the different ways, not all the different ways, but a lot of the different ways that you can spend his money. Now, we work for a journalistic organization. I will note it is acknowledged in the credits the numbers are guesses uh-huh. in some ways. This is not a journalistic enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game also takes some positions mm-hmm. that you may or may not take. Mm-hmm. But... It is fascinating as you go about the task of attempting to spend $156 billion. <laughs> you, you know what I would do, man? 
Larry Wilmore and Robin Thede would have shows again. Uh, that's right. That's right. That is not one of the options, and it should be. There is an option at one point to reboot Mythbusters. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's the next best thing. Kind of see where this is coming from now. You can, pretty early in the game, spend $139 billion of the $156 billion rebuilding Puerto Rico. As you play it, you're learning a lot about your own priorities. Do I rebuild libraries? Do I double every Amazon employee's salary? Do I fix the Flint water crisis for a shock? tiny fraction of Jeff Bezos's money. Uh-huh. It is a very fun game. It is amusingly written. Uh, it is clever. Uh, it may make you angry, but I highly, highly recommend it. It is called You Are Jeff Bezos uh, by Chris Ligman. Do they spell it with two Z's? I mean, this seems highly actionable. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Bezos is a public figure, my friend, and he has $156 billion that could be spent. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you very much, Stephen Thompson. Where do we find this, by the way? You basically have to Google You Are okay. Jeff Bezos. It's on a platform. It's a pretty long URL, but if you just Google, you are Jeff Bezos, you'll All find right. it. Cool. Thank you, Stephen Thompson. Glenn Weldon, what is making you happy this week? Get a Room with Carson and Tom. That's uh, Carson Cressley and Tom Felicia is a show on Bravo. Look, I'm not going to not gonna overplay it. It's a room makeover show starring Carson Cressley and Tom Felicia uh, from the original Queer Eye. The gimmick is that Carson is trying to get into interior design and Tom is his mentor. Much as I like the new Queer Eye, it has a, a much greater tendency to wear its heart on its sleeve. Yes. Arguably, they've chosen for this particular show the two members of the original Queer Eye who are the least likely to emote at uh-huh. any given time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, they have a natural chemistry. They bicker. They are both funny in their own ways. The makeover schmakeover, it's about these two guys and the chemistry that they have. So that is Get a Room with Carson and Tom on Bravo. All right. Thank you very much, Glenn Weldon. Eric Deggins, what is making you happy this week? Homecoming with Julia Roberts. Man, I am really digging this show. And, I mean, it's great that Julia's doing television, but Sam Esmail is, like, a genius in television. And his direction in this show on Amazon... Uh, Julia Roberts plays this woman who runs this facility that seems to be treating soldiers, but we find out there's a darker element to what's going on there. And there's flashbacks involved, but the way they shoot the flashbacks, you're not quite sure if they're flashbacks or if they're present day, and it takes you a while to figure it out. I am really digging this show, and I, I love the way Sam plays with our expectations as viewers. So I would highly recommend, if you haven't watched it yet, checking out Homecoming on Amazon. Spoiler alert, we're about to. That's right. (laughs) And it's great. We haven't talked about it yet, but we are going to talk about it. And now you have an intro to it so you can watch it and get ready for us to talk about it. Thank you very much, Eric Deggins. Making me happy this week is the LeBron James executive produced series called Shut Up and Dribble, which I loved. They have aired, as we tape this one episode on Showtime, there are three total. I've seen the whole thing. If you have watched a lot of sports documentaries, even uh, OJ Made in America and things like that, you have heard some of the stories about black athletes and activism and things like that. But I, this is kind of a laser focus on the NBA specifically, and I found it so interesting. And there were pieces of it that were stories I knew about Oscar Robertson and things like that. There were also pieces of it that I had never thought about in this way. There's a long section about 
the brawl in which Meta World Peace, oh, then yeah. known as Ron Artest, wound up serving a long, long suspension and how that brawl seemed to uncover ugly feelings about black athletes and specifically NBA players within sports media and within the NBA itself. It is also just a really fun thing to watch. Larry Wilmore makes several appearances in this, and he's so funny in it. He clearly loves talking about the NBA, loves talking about, you know, watching the differences between the ABA and the NBA. It's He's so good in it. I really recommend that you seek it out. And like most good sports documentaries, I think even if the NBA is not your thing, you will find a lot in here that will sort of reflect upon the intersection between athletics and politics. So again, on Showtime, Shut Up and Dribble, executive produced by, among many other people, LeBron James. And can we just say that it's so cool that if you want to give the business to somebody who insults you in public, that you don't just say it in public, you create a three-episode yep. documentary yep. Yep. <laughs> to tell Laura Ingraham that she's full of it. Yep. <laughs> it is a good series. I enjoyed it very much. Seek it out on Showtime, and that is what is making me happy this week. But before we go, I wanted to mention that for our New York podcast fans, our friends at Code Switch are going to be doing a live show at... Oh, no big deal. Just the Apollo Theater. Uh, Amazing. It's on November 16th as part of the Work It Festival. Shireen and Jean, as you know, are regular guests on our show. We love them both. They will be leading conversations with a whole bunch of talented guests, including uh, one of my favorite chopped judges, Marcus (laughs) Samuelson. And if you want to buy tickets, you can do that at workitevents.com. That's workitevents.com. Go see Code Switch at the Apollo. Give me a break, man. Who would miss out on something like that? Again, November 16th. That uh, does bring us then to the end of our show. You can find all of us on Twitter. You can find me at Linda Holmes. You can find Stephen at I Dislike Stephen. You can find Glenn at G.H. Weldon. And you can find Eric at Deggins. You can find our producer, Jessica Reedy, at Jessica underscore Reedy. And our producer, Vincent Acavino at V. Acavino. You can find our producer emeritus and music director, Mike Katzif at Mike Katzif. That's K-A-T. ZIF Mike's band, Hello Come In, provides our in and out music, which you are tapping your foot to right now. So thanks to all of you guys for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in the studio, Eric Deggins. Always a pleasure. And thanks to all of you for listening. And if you have a second and you're so inclined, just pop over to Apple Podcasts, give us a review. That'll help other people find the show. We will see you all right back here next week. Sam Sanders here. This week I'm talking to Abby Jacobson. You know her from her Comedy Central show, Broad City. We're going to talk about a solo cross-country road trip Abby took recently and why she wrote a book all about it. That is on the latest episode of It's Been a Minute from NPR.